Welcome to the We've Seen Enough podcast, where we look at the world through the prism of sports. Enjoy the eclectic mix of our personalities as we discuss, debate, and occasionally fight over issues large and small. So as we head to our respective corners, I'm Jim Boyle. And I'm Tom Trevisani. Let's get it on, Jimbo. Okay, welcome to this actually special edition of We've Seen Enough. Uh, it's uh, Season 1, Episode 5, and I'll tell you something, Tommy. This is, uh, this is a bonus because uh, I wasn't supposed to be here. I was supposed to be down in Florida, but due to circumstances beyond my control, here I am sitting in the studio with my good buddy, Tommy Trevisani, as we get ready for another rocking uh, event, which we'll call uh, like the Thriller in Manila. How about that one? And uh, uh, just real quick, Tommy, what's going on? What's going on in Boston sports? Real quick, give me a quick synopsis. Well, it seems like the Bruins are off to a good start. And, uh, you know, the Celtics we talked about recently, they've had a few losses currently. And, you know, the Patriots had a nice big win in New York this weekend. And what's that, about 10 or 11, no, 13 straight, they've beat the Jets. Jets are good, aren't they? And <laughs> you know, I'll you tell you, you, that quarterback, he, boy, is he bad. Like, did you ever hear, like, he just keeps on throwing the ball to the Patriots. I don't. I think he's. Were you co- watching that game? I, I think he's colorblind. I he's think he's so, way overrated, Jim. I, I thought he, I thought coming out of college, I think I remember Jack and I had a discussion. They played Coastal Carolina, mm-hmm. BYU, and when Coastal went undefeated. That's Coastal right. Beat and Coastal gave him he was job. horrible in that game. He was horrible. And Jack says to me, Dad, they're going to pick him like, it's high a pick. He's horrible. You know what? I hate to give him credit, but Jack sometimes, every once in a while, he's right. You know, a blind squirrel gets a nut every once in a while. He got that road right. So he's horrible. I agree with you, horrible. That, that Jets team, though, Jack told me today, uh, 32nd in offense and first in defense. Well, that's all the guy. I'll tell you. He's a defensive guy. They play very hard for him, but you got it's so frustrating. You remember that turning point, though. That interception there, they called the late hit. That was a big turning point, Jim, because they go up 17-3 to there. That's true. As you know, they took that down, and the Patriots went down, and they kicked the field goal. Again, let's not get pet peeves later, the referee and everything, but, you know, it's football. What are we going to do? They're gonna start, we're going to stop playing tag. I mean, we should be playing tag. You know what? That's, Maybe. Uh, we're gonna, it's going to be called Tom Brady tag. But, again, I have, to, <laughs> I have, to, I have yeah. to give crap to Tom Brady every once in a while. But, you know, I feel pretty bad for him today because uh, uh, Giselle decided he's, she's, she's seen enough. So, I can't. You got that? She's seen it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. The, other, for me. the other thing, the, the bees actually surprised me. Bruce, I'm not a big hockey guy, but, you know, you got to be really like a new coach. A uh, guy come down, and, and, and they're winning. So can't complain about that. Uh, and the C's, it's just a weird thing. I, I think it's it's feeling out the new coach. It's new coach feeling them out. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's just weird. They lose games that it looks like they should be blowing teams out. Absolutely. I mean, the other day, I'll tell you, watch out for that Cleveland team, Jim, down the line a little. Boy, do they impress me. You know, they got some, they got the center there who's athletic. They got some guards who, the kid Mitchell's a really good underrated player, and uh, that's a team that matches up with the Celtics. And I think Sexton was, who's missing, Colin Sexton? Sexton was out, no, and then the other kid from Vanderbilt there, the guard. Oh, not Sexton, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I think they, um, you know, yeah, yeah, Garland. Darius Garland. Darius Garland. That's and right. as Sex you know, moved. we talked about Mitchell. He went to Brewster Academy here in New Hampshire. Oh, there we go again, Tommy. What are we? Brewster Academy. Oh, you were great. You know, you know. Well, he's not, he's not bad. The Trevisanis, they love. And this is not just Tommy. Yeah. This is my good friend Justin. They love them some Brewster Academy crap. It's just amazing. I just give you 
I should. Well, I no, should you were the one who told me years ago about Bruce Brown. You followed him. There's uh, a kid from right. Wakefield. He went to Vermont Academy, and he's do, he's done pretty well. I'm just giving a hard time about these. Yeah, every I, time I, a player comes out, it's like, uh, it's it's. There's two things about my friend Tommy. No, no. <laughs> it's when it comes to basketball. Those the the the, the uh, post grad years in colleges here in Massachusetts, he loves, and he also loves those guys from the small schools of football. Did you know that Jerry Rice went to Mississippi Valley State? He had these big hands. He had this. <laughs> How about where did Steve McNair go? You don't take hope ever. Did he go to UCF or USF? You know, it's amazing. I'm sorry. You can make no, answer. Jim, you're right. Actually, I like that. I'm just, you know, I'm kind of for the underdog. And, I mean, if you can play, they'll find you. That's exactly right. It's, and we, that gets back to scouting and drafting. And we can both sit here again and talk about how they took, you know, the Jets took this quarterback. It really just comes down to, like, you just sometimes it takes a little bit of luck, too. Well, again, he took not only did they take the quarterback, they've taken, they took the quarterback after they took the quarterback. So they took Darnold three, right, three years before. Absolutely. Then they're taking him. I know. And, and the Patriots are taking a lot of crap for Mac Jones, but he's a, he's a mid mid first round pick. He's not like they took him in the top five six picks. And I don't even think it comes out. I don't even think Belichick wanted him. I mean, because you remember they wanted to trade up. They maybe were going to take the kid from Chicago. He right. dropped a little. So again, they waited. And he dropped to 15th, and they took him. I think he won at Fields. You're right. Absolutely. And I've seen Fields. Fields is hot and cold, but I think Fields was, with proper coaching could uh, could probably develop. But that whole first, that whole last year quarterback, you know, it's like it's a pile of cow dung. Does seem like it right now, doesn't it? It's amazing. And let's get back to I know the quarterback for Jackson. He seemed like he was off to a good stop, but again, he's been playing. Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if he sees those. Secondary guys, it's just he still makes some bad mistakes. He's the one that surprises me the most because a he got horrible coaching his first year, right? But he should have the talent to be able to. to be able to you know, he's got Doug Peterson now who took who took the Eagles to the Super Bowl with with Nick Foles. That's so, right. So yeah, I, I, again, any first any quarterback, yet you, you can't even judge until three years. You got to see what they can do. You got to see what they're playing with. Like Daniel Jones is has got the team with two losses because he's managed in the game. Right. Mac Jones managing the game. Zach Wilson, they want him to win a game. He, these guys just can't win games. No doubt. That's just the kid Zach Wilson in the last three games, like they were winning. He was throwing for 100 yards. They were winning 13, 10. They were winning with their defense. And that's all you got to do. Again, you know, take the check downs. You know, there's nothing wrong again with punting. I just don't understand these quarterbacks sometimes. I really don't, Jim. Just change his field positions. Turnovers kill. Turnover skill. And, and with turn. all the parity in the NFL, it's. You know, no. you just can't turn the ball over. No kidding. But they do. And the teams that don't win. Although we were talking, I hate to divert here, yep. but how many teams realistically can win the Super Bowl this year? Realistically, you know, if you think about it, like AFC, you know, Buffalo, no doubt about it. That kid is, is he's, he's a phenomenal quarterback. He's got good defense and good special teams, really good coach. But, Jim, if you look at them in one in one score games, they're like, oh, what is it? They're like one of, one and seven in the last right. eight. That's they just seem to every time when the game's close with them, they're another team. Well, that's because somebody gags up in the booth, probably. <laughs> you know, here you got the great guy. Here you got a guy who can run, who can throw, who can run and throw. Awesome. Oh, but you know, it's just they decide to do stupid things, right? Oh, and then you totally got, agree. Then you got Buffalo. You got Kansas City. Uh, you got the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh no, no, they suck. Forget them. <laughs> you know, there's not there aren't many. Even in the East, I've watched the Eagles, and I'm from Philadelphia, and I've watched the Eagles. And Jalen Hurts played great, but he's still he, it's still the Eagles, and, and they and they still are they as good as their record? If if you go with the Bill Parcells, they are. Right. You are what you are. But you know, and then Dallas is playing pretty well. The Vikings are playing really well with uh, Kirk Cousins at the helm. It's just amazing. And then everybody else is like media. You're right. You, it's just a mediocre league. Uh, 
Look at San Francisco. They're four and four. The Rams were in the Super Bowl last year, right? They don't look too good. No, San Francisco's to be a sleeper though. Now that he's if if McCaffrey it, McCaffrey if he could stay healthy, that changes the whole dynamic of that team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, their it, defense is still. They still got some nice players, like you said. And come playoff time, I would not want to play them. You don't have to make Garoppolo do too much. You're in good shape. But that's absolutely. What he's doing. They always win in spite of him. It seems like. And very well coached as well. So yeah, yes. there's not many though. I mean, there's a lot of there's everybody's like. The NFC, what is it, the South, the leading team in the South is the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons with Marcus Mariota as their quarterback? What's going on? It's crazy. And, you know, another team that's up to thinking who's leading the Indy division. How about Tennessee? Again, you look up, they're 5-2. and two. Frabel just, you know, they don't beat themselves. The kid had what? They had the backup quarterback in the other day. I think he threw the ball six times. Yeah, but they, they also have the beast. They, and boy, is he. I was just going to get to him. He had like 32 carries, and they just... You know, they don't beat themselves. They just play good field position, and it just seems like Vrabel right now, to me, he could probably be, he's one of, you know, he's one of the two or top three coaches in the NFL, I think. Yeah, that's a team, though. Is, is it built to win those three games, like we talk about Buffalo? Is no, Tennessee built to win those three games or two games? In the playoffs? No, they don't seem like they have a ride. You're right. They always right. tend to lose in the playoffs. You're right, because I think that quarterback has to make a few other throws, and he doesn't seem like Correct. he can make the throws. And, uh, and everybody else is going to jam the line. Make, make, he's not going to let Henry beat you, right? Absolutely. And I would be remiss before we get on is talk about the World Series is underway. One-to-one. Uh, one. Uh, Verlander had a 5 to nothing lead. This is the, one of the best pitchers of a generation. He hasn't pitched well in the World Series and had a 5 nothing lead. He choked it away. And then because they build ballparks like they want to, everything's got to be like Fenway Park. Uh, every field's like short porch right field that they get beat on a, on a pop-up home run. No no doubt about it. Yankee State home run, Astro home run. They come back with their better pitcher, Framber Valdez. They win. Big, not big, but they win. So they go back to Philadelphia. My pet peeve the other week was, you know, they never call these games. That read, and yesterday they called early. So I'll give everybody a lot of credit. But, you know, Philly is... Philly is a lot like uh, everybody's comparing them all to the uh, 2013 Red Sox and just the, just the swashbuckling. You know, let's go to go. We're, it's us. You know, we're going to grow the beards. We're going to be crazy. We're going to fight hard. We're going to win close games. And it's really almost uh, the, the the architect is Dave Dabrowski of the 2018 Sox. So there's a lot of uh, Schwarbers there, and they're playing his music, the, the crap, the dancing on my own, or whatever <laughs> song is their favorite song, which the Sox played last year. Which would be remiss if we talked about that. And a good segue for me is. Because it's the Phillies. Is I just want to talk a little bit, uh, uh, really generically, about growing up with sports. You and I are both, you know, almost the same age, uh, <laughs> about eight years older than him. But it's we we grew up in a in an era where it was different. And we'll, one of the things we'll, when we do the comparisons, we'll compare what it was like, you know, getting information when we we were both young. But Tommy, first of all, real quick, how did you? Who was the impetus? Who was the influence to get you started in sports, liking sports? Well, you know, I don't want to give the yearbook answer, but of course, it was my dad. We just kind of grew up in a sports family, and I grew up in Everett, and that's just all we really did was ever since me and my brother at a young age, I have an older brother, he's about 18 months apart, and we just started playing sports. Like, we, we went down to Glendale Park, and every day we would go from, we play football, basketball, baseball, and that's all we really did, Jim, back in the 80s. That's just kind of... And I grew up in the 70s and, you know, and in the 80s. But just playing sports was kind of wanted to keep you out of trouble. You grew up in the city and everyone played. Everyone played. Everyone was down the park and that's all you did. But what got you interested in watching? In, 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 I know playing because we're all the same. If you go back to the 70s, because I was born in the early 60s. So my, my formative years were the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, but if you watch, you know, 
we would ride our bikes everywhere. We had a community bike pool. Bike. I'd ride down the community pool. We had a playground where we had a baseball field. We'd ride down and play that. We had a basketball court, and we actually had a net in our in our driveway uh, after we moved to our new house. And but we we were we were always going somewhere and, and playing something, always outside doing something. So the love of it was just the that's what we did, you know. Right. But but how did you get? What was the impetus to say? basketball the Celtics I gotta watch the Celtics and I'm and I, what 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 got you that point well it's funny because like in the late 70s I just always remember vividly coming home and my father was watching that he was watching the TV but he was sitting on the floor in front of the TV and I just remember he goes Tommy this is the guy the Celtics just drafted and as you know this is how it started and I he goes it's this Larry Bird guy and you know he was white and he was six nine and he was slow but he could shoot and that's really where it all started to be honest with you it just kind of watching basketball, and it just I was started watching him, and I just could not believe what I was seeing at the time. So you were about eight years old. Yeah, at the time, because I don't know, I was eight or nine, Willie. Yes, and I and I was already, you know, I grew up in Everett, and we had what's called the Everett Rec Center, which is famous. It's been there for about eighty years. So we were always playing basketball there. So basketball was kind of our like our first love, our first sport. So basketball was your first love. Larry Bird comes to the Celtics. Celtics have been good. Well, you were seventy four, seventy three, seventy four, seventy five. They were. I was good. a little, but then they had you those two, three right? down years. Yeah. Right. So I was. I can remember right. those because I was of age. Because I. So if we hit 1970, I was eight years old. You were born. Right. So you can hit 1978, 77, 78, 79. You're right in those formative years, and here comes Larry Bird, and then the Celtics all of a sudden are are a juggernaut with with everybody that happened. So that was an impetus to get you going, correct? That was definitely it. That's awesome to hear. So so again, I will go back to. It's always your father. I don't think and it could be wrong. Could be some others who could do it. But for me, my. You know, we were, I was a, I was born, my brother, I have an older brother who is 19 months older than me, so I know the feeling. Right. And, uh, but then luckily for me, I had a younger sister who was 17 months younger than me. And then two more came along. But I remember my, my father was really involved in, uh, he was coaching some sports. Uh, we were always outside playing. It's sort of like when, when you're, you know, four, five, six, seven years old. Uh, I don't. I was grew up in, in Reading, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. But we were Red Sox fans. My dad was a Sox fan, and I, my 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 influence introduction to it was my dad took me out in the car, took me on, took got a radio out, and showed me exactly where 1080 WTIC Hartford Connecticut was, so I could listen to the Red Sox. So I spent a lot of my years, 10 years old till till I moved out of the house. You're listening to Red Sox games just on the radio, scratching radio, could only hear it at night. Thunderstorms would screw it up. It would come in and out. You know, Ned Martin and, and Ken Coleman and Jim Woods were like the soundtrack to my young adulthood. And so that really was my, my introduction. And I think you're right, though. As youngsters, you're really introduced to sports through playing them. Uh, and then you get you get involved. I love the Larry Bird angle for you because that really says who, you know, if I was going to say Tommy Trevisani, you have to say Larry Bird right after because that's, to me, that's who you are. Well, everyone always talks about it. He is definitely my favorite athlete, and every time I run into people, old high school friends, Trev, you're going to tell me a Larry Bird story. It's just... That was just the guy. He was just the guy I was always, I don't want to use the word, that I was, I was enamored with. He was just, he was the best, you know, the great white hope. And I, I was just a big Larry Bird fan. And not to change the subject, I, was, I always loved Kyle Yaskrimski too a little bit. Too. Right. Because, you know, that was Yaz's, like the end of Yaz's career, but I was kind of a big Yaz fan too. So I was a huge Yaz fan. If I had, to pick, if I had to pick the one, one player of all the players, and we'll do this, we, we, we do our Mount Rushmore, we're going to do our favorite athletes until we were 18. So right. you get till 1980, I get till 1980. But Yaz, to me, he was the guy I followed. I bought, 
you know, I remember going to the the the, the uh, magazine stores and reading and fi- waiting for the baseball magazines to come out and buying those magazines and saying, you know, always hoping the Red Sox were on, always hoping or or, or sport or or the Sporting News. I I subscribe to the Sporting News, not Sports Illustrated, because it had all the baseball stuff. But you're right about Yaz. Yaz was my guy. You know, I'm right at that right era. You know, when I was eight years old, it was 1970. He was right in the height of his his, his powers, we'll call it, for the Sox. I absolutely one of only played his whole career with one team too. Correct, correct. And one of those guys. So though. the the, uh, the irony there is, I did get to see him hit his 400th home run. I was in, even living in Pennsylvania. I came up, my mom and my brother, my younger brother, who's four years younger, we came up in uh, in '79 uh, to see his uh, 400th home run. It was against Oakland, right, Jim? That, that, was, like, that was against Oakland. And correct. His 3,000 hit was against the Yankees. Yankees. Think, right? yeah. yeah, Willie Randolph laid that bell on the right field. Though the, uh, the Oakland game, I think, it was Mike Moore you, hit the you, home run. Yeah, run. you know what? Not to spice it up, but where yeah, as everyone says, like, let's get into this debate later. Who's the greatest Red Sox ever? Everyone always says Ted Williams. Now listen, now. I listened to my father, and, you know, I didn't see Ted Williams. He was before my time. As you know, he hit a home run his last at bat. People don't even know. There were 6,800 people right. there, as you know. But Kyle Scrimsey, as far as I'm concerned, and I always listen to my father, was definitely, he says it, and he says it to this day, that Kyle Scrimsey was the best Red Sox ever. And I know we can sit here and debate. you Ted Williams. I know he missed five years because of the service. But Yaz could do everything. Yeah, you know, I agree. You know, I, do you, I, I mean, I know he might have overplayed his career earlier. I know you're going to say his last four no, or five years. No, I wouldn't say that. Yaz was my favorite player, but right. there was no – he, and he had the, the – 67 was one of the greatest years, offensive years anybody had. He, he was a great defensive player. But it's hard for me to put him uh, uh, anywhere near where Ted – because Ted, Ted as a hitter was phenomenal. And again, I only saw Yaz play. My my father, my father's favorite players were Ted Williams and Stan Musial because he grew up in South Jersey and the A's played in Philadelphia. And his grandfather would take him. His grandfather would take him over uh, across the Shy Park to see both those either the Phillies or the a- oh, uh, Philadelphia Alex or the Philadelphia Phillies play. So he would get to see Stan and or Ted. Wow. Williams. Wow. See, as long as I, I never knew that about now. Stan Musial went to play with the Cardinals too. All the, the, he played the Cardinals all the way, and Ted wow. played for the Sox. The reason, well. I, the, the real reason I'm a Red Sox fan is. My father's sister went over was on a school field trip to go over to the Shy Park to see the um, athletics play, and she said, "I'll bring you." He said, "My my dad, who's who was Jack to her, uh, it, was, it was she said, Jack, I'll bring you something back for the game," and he was excited. She ended up getting him a Red Sox pennant, so he's probably what six seven years old right after the war, and so he's got this Red Sox pennant. So he starts following the Red Sox, and my my grandfather. Uh, uh, grandfather Nicholson, uh, John, uh, not, not Nicholson, excuse me, Stevens, Pop Stevens took my father to a lot of ball games, and uh, it was it's it's it, it, so so you can see where I come from, you know, it's just like with you and your dad. Your dad was in the basketball, he's watching this. There's there's always that 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 f- really big family um, impetus to happen. You know, I don't know my older brother. Hated the Red Sox because I love the Red Sox, so he became a Royal fan because the Royals always beat the Red Sox. And, uh, and and I understand there's that competition. So who's your older brother? What was that? What was that like with him in the house? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because we're 18 months apart, but we were only one year's difference in school. So you know we played on we were so we played on the same basketball teams growing up, the same baseball teams, football teams. He was a little ahead of me. So yeah, it was very competitive. And I mean, when I tell you, we were just out playing basketball and we would do anything to beat each other. That's just kind of how it was. Okay. But everyone, you know, we would do anything to win, both of us. Okay, since so I know that your mom's probably listening, who was the better player? Oh, well, don't, I, don't know. I, don't know. In what sport? Okay, let's go with basketball. All right. You know, I would probably say it's when I was more of a late bloomer. I would probably say in high school, I would have to give, you know, definitely, I would probably have to give the edge to Joey. Yeah? But as we grew older now, I it's... 
then I kind of, I kind of grew late. I kind of was more of a late bloomer. But I would say, yeah, I would have to say in high school, I would have to give the edge to my brother for basketball. Okay, what what, what, what do you get the edge of dominoes or cross or what, <laughs> what cross country running? No, well, and then when we want to talk about obviously then our baseball, that was definitely me by a landslide. And then football, I'd probably say we're pretty close. I probably have to give it to him because he played football a little longer. I broke my knee, like my third year in, and my father just kind of wanted to keep me out of it because you know I wasn't really big to play football, but. I was a decent football player too, but I probably have to give the edge to him because he played longer. Yes, yeah, so and the competitive, the competitive nature of both you and your brother—that makes some sense. <laughs> Doesn't you know? From from my standpoint, uh, my older brother and I, probably about even baseball players. Uh, we didn't play basketball. I was a better swimmer than he was. We all swam. He didn't play football. I did. He was a hell of a tennis player, much better than me at tennis. You know, the racket sports, he was always going to be better than me. The only, I think, the big advantage I had over him was I was just a lot smarter than him. So <laughs> made him, and I studied a lot more. But, you know, very competitive. You're right. When you have a brother, he was two grades ahead of me, though, as well. So uh, I, I was always surrounded by either my brother or my sister in school. So, But you're right, that that competitive nature. And so did your brother like the Celtics, or was it, or, or did you, or you, was it something you did together, or something you were you you, you fought against? Yeah, fought against? we always fought with the Celtics. What's funny about play is like it was crazy in the mid '80s. That was that great era. But we were both big Celtics fans. But we would always argue about certain guys because I was so amid with Bird. And if any other guy like even took a shot, I would start screaming and yelling. My brother's like, you know, he's just not the whole team. And it was just like little things like Dennis Johnson taking stupid outside shots, and we would just start like. If someone went to the bathroom, we missed a play. Like we would go mental, like it was crazy. I can't even explain it. Like we didn't want to even miss a play. Really? So you could it, go, you weren't allowed to go to the bathroom? Well, you didn't want to. Okay. But that's why, like, I watch it now. I can't even watch a quarter. I don't mean to compare. It's just I don't know. It's just so different. Just those those years were great. The mid '80s. They were just so much fun. It was just so much fun to watch the Celtics, the way they played and how they passed the ball. It was just great. So now that you're an adult and you're a father of a, Justin's now 23, right? He just had his birthday. Just turned month, 23, right? just like yes. Jack. Uh, my, my favorite uh, quartet. The two, my, the two boys. The two boys plus my quartet will add Chris Greco and uh, Kevin O'Donnell to those two, two pounds. Yeah, we'll give them, so, a, so give give them, them a, a show. show. We've got to bring them on the show because they'll, they'll have a good time. Yeah, Chris, I, absolutely. Oh, Jack wanted me to ask him before we go, as we get ready to go on, he wanted me to ask him, who's going to win the World Cup? Uh, who cares? Oh, Jack. Jack thought you'd say Italy. He was going to say, tell him Italy's not even in. Yeah, I'll say probably. I have. Italy's not even in. You can't root for Italy. you got to go for the U.S. He uh, just, that, that's the offshoot of that. But, you know, that we have, uh, we've had sons and daughters of our own. Uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to take both my son and my daughter to a World Series game with the Red Sox. Uh, and you, how do you feel like, what was it like when Justin came along? You know, he's a huge basketball guy as well. I know he's out working for the Colts. What was that like now that you, you've grown up? Now you're older, now you're transfer, transferring that down to your kids. Yeah, you know, again with him, like it was, uh, we went, you know, some Celtics games and we went to Red Sox. You know, Justin's not a big baseball fan, but he used to love to go to the Celtics games. I, I took him to a few games. But again, it's just not like the same because he would always say, Dad, what do you mean it's not the same? You know, everyone wants to be on the Jumbotron and this or that. But it was still exciting to, you know, take him to an event. You know, just to a basketball game because he loves basketball and he's a big Celtics fan. That's very true. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Who's yeah. a better player, you or him, basketball? <sighs> you mean like now? Yeah, I think he's a much better shooter than you. Come on. Nah, no well, one can shoot like I me. I have a question for you. Who hit a three at the guard, you or him? No, Justin did, not me. Justin did. I got Absolutely. the call. Absolutely. He did <laughs> score at the guard and you were there. That's we right. We had that on WCTV. If you want to look back at the archives, so what was that year, 2018 or 2018? That was, yeah, that was, yes, that was January. Just January 2018. 2018. They, they actually won that game. They did. They beat the Tech. 
a short game. Coach, Absolutely. Coach uh, Coach Ingram wanted to wanted to try to get everybody in because people had paid. He did a great job, and Justin got to play. And he actually had a three from the Larry Bird spot. I remember, I remember calling that game. That was a fun time. But you know, like it's just like with my Jack. I think. I don't know how you and Justin or Jack and I, are, or we will argue to the death. I mean, probably because I'm always taking the devil's advocate point. But he, it's great to have my, my, my kids around. My daughter loves, loves baseball. She plays fantasy football with us. Uh, she's never been – she, she has immersed herself. You, you know, we could bring my wife on, Kelly, and she could talk, she could talk sports with just about, just about anybody. I think it, it upsets my son that my wife is so smart with sports. And I said, it's just a lot by osmosis. That's all we talk about at the house. That's all I hear. You know, I hear, why are we always talking about sports? Why can't we talk about something else? And I say to him, because we got nothing else to talk about. No, because nothing else – I don't mean – nothing else really matters either. But, well, that's, well, that's how it was 15, 20 years ago. The same thing with my wife. She's learned – she knows her stuff. I'm not saying, but she's come a long way. She's definitely learned a lot. Yes, and like I said, with Jack, it's a, a lot. Well, we should get Jack on the air for so so you and Jack could go. No, I can't wait. We gotta get. We gonna yeah. We're gonna start getting some guests in here. You definitely. and Jack go totally. Yeah, because I'm starting to get bored with you, Tommy. Well, I don't know. You gotta start. I'm only kidding. Yeah, I know. You already told me about my outfit today, so you get me all fired up. <laughs> yeah, Tommy came dressed in a suit and tie. I'm stunned. You know, if we, <laughs> yeah. once we get these, these things on the TV, you're gonna, uh, you're gonna be. Nah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I'll be clean shaved. I got, I got, I got my, I got my outfit. I got my Temple House shirt on, and I'm covered with my Under Armour Polo zip up, which I got from my brother's father-in-law. So thank you, Mr. Thomas, for the outfit. I'm looking pretty good here in the studio. Um, just real quickly, what are the as a, as a youth growing up? What what team? You, you've already mentioned Larry Byrne. Is there any any, spe, any other specific team you just remember that's seared in your mind? That says, this is really why I who am who I am. You mean like in any sport? You know, Jim. It's funny. Growing up, too, I was a big on you know not to say in even college. I was a big college basketball fan. I loved Boston College. Okay. Like in the early '80s, too. I don't know. It was just when they had uh, Dr. Tom Davis, and then yep. Gary Williams came in. You know, I was a big like I was a big John Bagley fan, Michael Adams. Fan. I just loved BC. I don't know why. I always used to watch them. They always used to win in the tournament. They were just a good team to watch. They were scrappy, and that's when the Big East started. And they made a couple of big runs early in the 80s in the, in the tournament, too. Uh, yeah, very good. You know, that was that year they lost to Houston. If you remember, people forget that, and they should have won. Reed Geddes hit all those free throws at the end. That was the Elite Eight. And then there was that year when they played against Memphis State. Yep. There was a few years there. They had some. They had some quite some runs. They were just a scrappy team. No, they didn't have like the greatest high school basketball players that came up, but they just had guys that fit their mold. Correct. That's another area we could go through at some point. I really talk about what really happened to Boston College athletics uh, on, a, on, a, on a larger scale. Is not to change the subject. How about like because my friends were all big fans. How about them losing to UConn this week, thirteen oh, yeah. to oh. three. Oh, man. We, My friend said, oh. like, when the quarterback was snapping the ball, I said all five guys were just coming after him. It yeah, I turned at Gable, and I saw the score, and I almost threw up in my mouth. I don't know. They, they brought in this coach, and, like, this just doesn't seem like it's, it's well, anything. I, well, I do know, I do know that there's, uh, there's a lot of people hurt. I mean, the offensive line is decimated. Absolutely. If you, and I know from my, my guys played Navy last week, got to, got to overtime. I saw that, yeah. And, uh, but you got no offensive line, you can't move the football. I mean, it's really, really, the game of football is very simple. If you can control the line of scrimmage, you're going to win. You know, no, you're right. And DC is a tough spot, though. It, it is. And, you know, they've always been known for their offensive line. Great pros, and this year the kid that they had actually who was supposed to be good, he even got hurt. You're right. Right. So you got BC. So you like BC growing up? Was it just basketball? Uh, BC no, basketball? and of course you know because we right. talked with the trivia. Of course, I was a big Doug Flutie fan. Correct. So Correct. BC was definitely that was a big following, and of course 
you know, at that time, that was kind of like, yeah, I was like, of course I love the Red Sox, too. And Correct. then uh, even, like I always say, that 86 team, Jim, even though they won the four World Series, I think that 86 team was one of their best teams they've ever had. When they played again, I know me and you, let's get they're going to fall short. But they had Jim Rice, you know, they had Buck number first, they had Evans. But I love that team. They had some great pitching with Oil Cam Boyd, Bruce Hurst. They had a Archie crappy Clemens. manager, though. I, t- I was going to get to you. Yeah, he stunk. Yeah, he John McNamara. But I really, that Red Sox team was a really good team. The only issue with that team was, if, you know, first of all, they're very fortunate that uh, Donnie Moore gagged, choked on his, uh, ch- choked huge with Dave the, Henderson. Absolutely. But they, they were, again, a team that could never, they had trouble closing close games. We talked about that uh, before we had the mics on. Or actually, I talked about it with, with Buffalo. Right, you know, Buffalo's a, if you the, do. they can't win a close game. They right. really had trouble in, in the close games. You, you know, the deer in the headlights, Cowboys trolley. I, I would not say the, to me the greatest team of my lifetime. The Sox is will always be twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. That, that was a phenomenal team. When they well, won the hundred and ten games, yeah. right, right, yep. And they were a good, good baseball team. Uh, and I've seen a lot of baseball teams. Right. Uh, the, if I go back to the team, I, you know, I fell in love with the Red Sox a long, long time ago. Right. And I remember seventy two when they lost. Uh, it was a strike shortened season. I listened to almost every game on the radio that I could. I listened to from Tiger Stadium their, their second to last game of the season, which was whoever won the game was going to win the win the division because the Red Sox were going to end up playing one less game than the Tigers, and they were going to end up either half game out or half game up. And uh, yes, it's a bomb to uh, left center field, and Louis Aparicio was a Hall of Famer playing shortstop for the team. Trips going around third, and uh, they won the won the baseball game. I remember hearing a trip going around third, and it was very 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 depressing. And then I was watching. I, I did a lot. Of, a lot of that stuff. The only time I saw on TV was if they played the game of the week, or if I got lucky to get a, a feed out of Baltimore or New York. So I hardly ever, or I saw them play in person down in Baltimore, or come up to or go up to well, Memorial Hampton. Stadium, right? Yes, the old wow. Memorial. So that was really my. Uh, that's I remember that that introduction. The '75 team for me for th- for the Sox is really the team that, you know, they talk about the most disappointing loss. I think that would hurt because I was 13 years old. You know, they played that great game six. We come to game seven, a little blue pit by Joe Morgan. Again, look who, you know, it's, it's why is Jim Willoughby pitching? What is, what is the matter with the Red Sox manager? The Red Sox just, they were always, until they started to win, they were always that one piece short, and that one piece always cost them a game. Yeah, you know, it's funny you were saying that about, yeah, that was the 70, that was the great, when, when Fitz hit to Horn. People forget about that game seven, and that game was back in Fenway, and they yes. lost because yeah. they had all the momentum. And how about, want to talk about great plays. How about those Reds teams? How many yes. Hall of Fame, like that, how many Hall of Famers did they have on that team? They had a ton of, how many Hall of Famers? Yeah, the Red big. Sox, too, like you said, and that 75 team, like you said, Jim, what a great team that, and that was the year, too, didn't, was it, yeah, did Rice get hurt? He broke Rice his, broke, right, guys, his arm. Good, right, he broke his hand, right, didn't he? Right. And, uh, and that's when he was just coming up, and, you know, they had Fred Lynn, and it was just those teams were, you know, Dwight Evans, they just had some great teams. They, they were they were very well built offensively. I thought their starting pitcher was strong. Billy threw the Ephus pitch one too many times in game seven. For the space. Uh, and, uh, you know, with Tiant and Lee and, and Rick Wise, and they had Rohila Morant, and just didn't really have anybody to shut down teams late. And I think that, again, you go back to, to the thought process was always – Fenway Yards are going to bang the ball all over the place. And if you didn't have that one guy who could shut you down, and maybe an off, and then who's, who's going to pitch to shut you down? Who are you going to use to shut them down? But 72 to 75, and those are the real formative years, two really destructive losses in 72. And then 74, uh, I remember listening to Labor Day, they played a doubleheader against the Orioles, got shut out of the back-to-back games, and the Orioles cut a, a six-game uh, six lead, and they ended up winning the division in 74. Uh, and then the Red Sox come back in 75, and, and things got 
better. But those were the like we talk about my formative years. Those were really the time. I'm 13 years old, but in eighth grade, I got to I go to I got to go to class. Hmm. And everybody knows I'm a Red Sox fan. I got to take all that shit from everybody. And it's Philadelphia. You know who Philadelphians are. They give you shit about everything. So, but that's really I I love I love to talk about. I love to see. It. I love that it's Larry Bird that was your impetus, and for me, it was listening to the Sox on the radio uh, for my impetus. And it's probably why I'm not a big football fan either, because the Eagles sucked when I was young. I really never was. A, I really, really never was was, was 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 fond of them. So I was. I was. I was telling somebody. I, I used to like the Colts were on TV a lot because they were in Lancaster County, and then the Steelers were on a lot. So, yeah. so those are my two. So, just transitioning to do the compare piece here. Uh, how do you compare watching, seeing the games from the late 70s, early 80s for you and from the late 60s, early 70s for me to today? So I'll, I'll start off by saying, you know, today I can pick up my phone and actually watch a game. You know, when I was growing up as a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, an 18-year-old, I could, I'd have to either get it scratchy, uh, get it scratchy on my radio Wait until hopefully the nightly news, the, the local news out of Philly had a score, or the next morning the newspaper came. I get the newspaper read all about the game. You know, there wasn't much else for me to get. You know, then as we get older, cable, you were, you were more of a, the beginnings of the cable generation, so you could get a little bit more games. ESPN came on. You know, so I think about, you know, the media. The information, the availability for me was very limited. So you have this much bigger desire to, you know, it wasn't like I could snap my fingers and watch a game. So to me, the the real difference is now I could do anything. I now if I want to see something, I can just go on my computer and, and find it. You know, my son's watching games streamed streamed of European soccer games that he gets streamed online. And those things were never. We I remember Wild World of Sports when they, through the satellite technology we bring you the wide variety of sports. So that's to me the difference. Now you were about eight years behind for me. So well, what about yours? In in when you mean the sports too, like again, of course, like d definitely social media is. Of course, it's changed oh, yeah. everything. And and if you want to like pick on a particular sport, like if you even say like with basketball, it's just. The difference right now, I don't know, like just in the games, it just seemed like more like in the 80s, don't forget, then Bird and Magic came in and they started televising the games. The games were on tape delay and then, I just don't know, Jim, I just think the games back when we were growing up, I don't mean to be biased, were just, they were better. Just think about in all the sports, plays didn't even like each other. They hated yeah, each other. Yeah, but were they better because we didn't see as many games? So now, I, this is why, well, I, look, I agree with well, you, I, that, that's a great point, right? right? But why, or, because <clears throat> if you... If you have limited access to something and you get to only watch it once a week, let's go let's say that you get to see Bird play once a week when you're eight years old, uh, or you have to wait till 11.30 at night to watch the tape-delayed uh, finals game, is it because it was a, you, you only got to see so much and now we are so overexposed? These, is everything you see, you, you turn on ESPN at, at 8 o'clock in the morning and, 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 you, and they were over, bang, bang, bang. It's just blasting at you. Right. Is that why? Or because of limited availability. See, I think to me, my childhood is all in my brain, you know, uh, because there was a lot of listening on the radio and a lot of what I remember about it. So I, I, I don't know if I could say with basketball, bird and magic, no doubt about it, changed the whole way media covered hoop as well. They made, them and Jordan made DME I went there today. So I'm just wondering whether or not you, when you were running around Everett and you needed to get a score, what did you do when you were eight years old? Yeah. It's funny you say that. You have to, um, wow, you'd have to, I'd be at Glenda Puck, you'd have to run home and get the score. Right. How else would you get it? Like you'd be, 
Yeah, you you can't you couldn't really go out because you know there was no phones or anything. You'd have to run home and you'd have to get to school and you have to you have to throw the TV on. It was just different, but I think you just appreciated it more. Yeah, no, I, 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 am I, I making sense? I just, no, I agree. I think I, I, I would say like that you I said agree today, that. there's all these, there's all these games on, and the ESPN two, ESPN three. Now, honestly, it's great, it's great for me. I love because I love sports and I, I, I love information. So when I, when we have an argument at home about whatever it is. You know what were we watching last night? I forget what we, Jack and I were. Where'd he do this? Blah blah blah. Look it up. You know how many uh, wids or who was the third president of the Red Sox in 1986? But we can find it. So it's easy for that because easy access to information. The availability of the access to information is so much more phenomenal. Where I could get a Red Sox score unless I, you know, in Philly there was KYW News Radio. Every fifteen minutes, they had every every quarter quarter of a quarter after they had sports. So if they didn't, oh, the major league baseball scores. Sometimes they only get the national league because it was a national league city. Uh, so you you couldn't even get that information. You'd have to wait. There wasn't even ESPN. There wasn't even cable. We were still dealing with the basic, the, just the basic channels that we had. So that's really where I think the big change is to me. And you know, my 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 kids get. My son could be a. You could be a fan of any team now you want. It's not, it's not not so regional anymore. You could love the Los Angeles Lakers if you're in Boston now. Whereas even if, if, now, but back in the '80s, a lot of people loved Lakers because the Lakers were the opposite of the Celtics. Because Lakers had the showtime, and the Celtics had the we'll call it the lunch pail kind of mm. gang. So that's, that's I think so the biggest difference. But think about when you were in 1982 when you needed to get a basketball score. If you didn't have the game on, you had to go home. Yeah. Or I don't even think we had 900 numbers back there. You could call for scores. Well, no, all we had was four or five. Yeah, you'd say if I was at a travel basketball game, I'd have to find out about it three, like you said, three four hours later. We have to wait till the news came on at six o'clock or right. eight o'clock, and there would be what a three minute segment. Correct. Correct. Oh, Celtics win so and so and so, and that was it. Which is why now you see the demise of newspapers. Because yes, that, that I used to get the paper every morning, read read the sports section. I know. How and, about me? You know, I used to love reading Jim. Was I would get just to read the box scores in the newspaper. Right. But now they have them. I you know I just used to love that. Great. And now you, you get know, all the ink on your hands. Now, and, you, now <laughs> you just pop it up online. You get it. It's amazing. They already know before. Yeah, you actually know. I, the other thing about it is, is, as you watch game, you could. Now we have baseball savvy, so I can. We, we somebody has a whole run. It's. Well, how hard did that go? And, and you could, you could within three seconds on baseball savvy, we could see that that ball was hit 420 feet, yeah, or exit exit velocity 110 miles an hour. Say, there's there's information out there if you want it. And I'm an information junkie like that, so I love it. You know, so and I grew up with nothing, uh, because I listened to the radio. So to me, this is like and now I could sit down at home and I can watch whatever I want to watch. And I could do whatever I want to do. Maybe to me, that's to me as a as as a grown adult. It's just, to me, it's the cornucopia of everything for me. But I understand where you're coming from. You know, and, and we're always going to be older or younger or whatever. So uh, you just never know what's going to happen. It's just like it's the area you grew up in. I guess everyone's different. I know you love information. I just think it's a little too much today. It's a little different. But it's it's just all when you, I guess it's like anything. It's You can compare, but it's just the area you grew up in. Yep, that's true. I mean. That's very uh, true, Tommy. So. Real quickly, why don't you, I'll let you think about this next. Uh, the Mount Rushmore today, I want you to think about who your favorite players were. Who are the four or five or six favorite players for you up until you were 18? So you have until 1988. You can't have any player after 1988. So I can't have any player after 1980. So when you graduate from high school, 
Did you graduate from high school? Yeah. <laughs> I you, think so. You did from yeah, college too, which is surprising. Ever high school? Suffolk Down, Suffolk, Suffolk University. So yeah. did you graduate? So the the players that you remember, you know, and some of us are going to overlap, but some won't. Does it? It could be you could pick all Celtics if you want, or you could pick Pete Maravich, or you could pick a football player, a basketball player, an Olympic athlete, whatever you want. So think about why don't you go? Give me your first uh, one. Well, definitely, you know, Larry Bird. Okay. Is one, and then I'll go on. I, I would definitely say, you know, Michael Jordan's in there. Jordan. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, he's he's the greatest player of all time. How could you not like him? I, I kind of took a liking to him in North Carolina. Okay, there, I'll give you Carolina because that was eighty-two. You're yeah. starting to get old. This is Michael Jordan, boy. Okay, so you're Bernard Jordan. Okay, okay. That's you good. know, like we said again, Kyle Skrimsky. Yes, you had yes. Okay. I have to say yes, and then I was also too. I know, like, I was a big Kevin McHale fan. Oh, that's one. Kevin McHale's another one. That's four. And when I got one more, I know they're mostly all basketball. I would say, hmm, what's my more? F- okay, go on. Uh, you got a couple more. I'm going to make a stretch a little bit. No, keep going. You got McHale. Oh, let's go with Parrish. I'm kidding. I'm really kidding. <laughs> no, and you know, again, I love this guy, too. He's he's actually, I always say, I was a big Danny Ainge fan, too, because he was just, I love Danny Ainge because no one liked him, and he didn't care. He did anything to win. You know, used to get in fights, everything. I just loved him. He was scrappy. I was a big Ainge guy, too. So as you can see, most of the guys were Celtics. That was just kind of my team. You know, you see no Patriots in there because, you know, the Patriots really from those times were not good, as you know. Okay, that's true. When I was growing up, that's they were true. horrible. So it was mostly, and I'm not a big hockey guy, so those would probably be my five guys. Okay, so uh, I'm getting some stuff. i got to do some with Hope, so I'm going to have to wrap this up real quick, Tommy. Sorry. Uh, oh, all right. Uh, I'll just give mine. Mine would have been Yaz. I was a Havlicek guy. You know, I, I did like uh, Jack Lambert from the Pittsburgh Steelers growing mm-hmm. up. Uh, I was a big Fred Lidge and Rice kind of guy. Uh, I like the uh, Stan Jonathan from the Bruins. I used to like that. He would fight the little the little guy. Well, number seventeen. Yes, right? was number 17. Stan Jonathan. Oh yeah. So those oh. were those would have been mine. Uh, real quick, we're gonna do a pet peeve. Mine is pet peeve. Simple. They they penalized DJ Moore after a great pass by PJ Walker for taking his helmet off. He was off the field. You know, what are we over? We're over, we're judging over everything. So. Um, how about these? I don't know. Is it even tackle football anymore? I don't know. Uh, I mean, you can't hit the quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Is but it's just it's just getting out of control. It really is because it's changing games and this referee and they have to do something with these personal foul calls. They really, a personal foul is a personal foul. But you, I feel like you can't even tackle anymore. And if you're going in, these guys are so fast and so quick. What looks like a bad, what looks like a bad hit, really isn't. I mean, I know it's football. I mean, that's why you play. I mean, you want to try to protect the players. But it's getting a little. I don't know. It's just getting. What are they? It's just getting too much now. Okay, so uh, last week's trivia question was who th- who caught the pass? Because I was at that Doug Flutie game. Who caught the pass from uh, Doug Flutie in that memorable game against Miami? And it, it, it was 84, 83. No, it was 84. 84. Who was it, Tommy? Uh, Gerard Phelan. Gerard Phelan. He was from New England as well, I think, right? He was from Connecticut, I think. No, I think Connecticut. Or, I, I got to look that up. Yes, so that up. yeah, definitely. So George Phelan was our answer, and uh, Tommy, real quick, what are we going to go with trivia for this week? Any good? Gonna, uh, I know it's kind of bad. I I do actually. We'll probably stay with baseball today. Who is the only player in Major League Baseball history to hit a cycle in both leagues? Okay, so everybody got that. Hits for a cycle in both leagues. In both leagues. Yeah, I do know who hit for the only player to hit for a cycle in a playoff game. He just retired. That would be Brock Holt. We got only player in Major Brock League Hope. Baseball. 
to hit the cycle, hit for the cycle at both leagues. Yep. So that's the yeah. This question. guy's been yeah, no, no hints. This no guy's hints. been around. He's, He's been, been around. around. And actually, at one time, he did play for the Red Sox. Ooh, I'll give you that one. That's hint. good news. So again, it was good talking to Tommy. Uh, again, this was a special episode, episode five, because I was supposed to be away and uh, trying to clean up some stuff around the house here. No, I understand. Uh, so we're going to cut this one now as we get ready to leave you. We'll be back hopefully next week with another episode of We've Seen Enough. So for Tommy Trevisani, you know, uh, Tommy, any last words before we go? No, Jim. Uh, I guess not. Really not. It's just, you know, have a good weekend. And uh, like I said, I'll definitely see you next week. You'll see us next week. That's awesome. If, that's if I make it next week. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, if we can put up with each other a little more. That's true. So for We've Seen Enough, I'm Jim Boyle, your host, with uh, my good friend Tommy Travisani, and we'll see you on down the road. Thanks for listening to this episode of We've Seen Enough, recorded at WCTV Studios in beautiful downtown Wilmington, Massachusetts. If you'd like to get in touch, offer topics to discuss, or stump us with sports trivia, we can be reached via email at jboyle22 at comcast.net. That's jboyle22 at comcast.net. Along with Tom Trevisani, I'm Jim Boyle. Make sure to tune into the next edition of We've Seen Enough.